Well, hey, good morning. Welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here. I'm so excited that y'all are here with us. I'm excited that we are able to come together and continue to celebrate who God is and what God is doing in and through us, the church, that we can be a part of God's call on our lives, that we can love people where they are, that we can make a difference in the world around us because of the love that we have received through Jesus Christ. And so if you're joining us online, or in person for the very first time, I just want to say you're welcome here. We are excited that you have chosen to spend a bit of your day with us. Uh, I, 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 I am excited about it because in us, you're going to find that, hey, we recognize we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we all want to be a little bit more like him every single day. And so my hope is that you will go on a journey with us, that together we can be made more and more into the image of Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus in the world around us so that we can love people and share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. Uh, I, I just wanted to start and take a moment to recognize the theological impact and the joyous moment that was last Sunday. Uh, my heart was lifted. I saw, I saw prayers answered. I saw lots of people come to pray for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and God was faithful to us in Chiefs' kingdom. It was awesome. Uh, I had a great time in the second half. In the first half, I talked a lot more to my TV than I really wanted to, um, and, and I was not so convinced uh, that they were going to win. Maybe, maybe you are not a Chiefs fan, uh, at which I am very sad for you. Um, because it's so much better to be a Chiefs fan. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe honestly, you're, you're just one of those people that are not football fans. You just really don't like football. Uh, my guess is, even if you don't like football, you at least like some of the commercials that, that go out on Super Bowl Sunday. Some of them, I think, we should just cut from, from reality. But uh, some of them were pretty interesting. I find it interesting that every year on the Super Bowl, they seem to do a new thing with, well, really, it's not doing a new thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to rebrand whatever product they have so it can be more relevant to the audience. And every year, uh, the same products are being marketed on, on the Super Bowl, uh, and it costs a ridiculous amount of money, so they're really putting effort into it. But what, what I saw this year more than any others was, was an attempt to rebrand so that they could find more relevance, so that people could understand their product a little bit better. They rebrand or reimagine or rebuild their product line. And for us, we've been in this message series, this worship series called Not In It to Win It, which sounds kind of oddly like not what we were looking at last Sunday. Last Sunday, we were in it to win the Super Bowl, but this message series is, is not about a victory or defeat mentality. This message series is kind of the opposite of the Super Bowl. And, and what's interesting to me is that when we look at the marketing that they put in to this, this message, or in, not this message series, into the Super Bowl, and with the rebranding and, and the, the changing, the, the relevance factor, Jesus, Jesus isn't really interested in any of that. When Jesus came into the world, it wasn't so that he could rebrand Judaism. It wasn't so that Judaism could be more relevant for the people around. Jesus came to do a brand new thing in Jesus and in, in, in the world 
through him, all things were changed and everything was made different. Not a rebrand, not a rework or a repeat or even a retread of what had already been done. But Jesus came to do something brand new, something unheard of in the world around him, something that only he could do. And and the difference was profound, something that no one else had done before, and quite frankly, something that no one else has done since. He came to build the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of times we can be like, well, the kingdom of God has been around for a long time, but the way that he went about it was totally different. Uh, and, and honestly, we throw that term around, the kingdom of God in the church, and, and we can struggle with what, what, is, what does it really mean to be a part of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the new thing that Jesus was doing, but the kingdom of God is a community of people who have come together because of the radical love and and grace of Jesus Christ, And, and in that togetherness, we find love and community, and we go into the world sharing that love and grace for everybody around. But we don't do it under our own pretext. It's not like when we have made a decision that we are going to do something different. We do it through the transformation that happens within us by the Holy Spirit, by God living in us and moving in and through us so that we can be a part of God's kingdom. We become children of God, loving God and loving neighbor. Now, I'm not sure if you understand the ramifications of what Jesus did or not, uh, but we're going to jump into it through a letter that was written to a group of churches. There was a guy named Paul, and he went and started church after church after church when Jesus had had died and been resurrected, and Paul was introduced to Jesus on on the road to Damascus, and everything changed for Paul, and Paul said, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. And so he went from town to town, starting these communities of faith that grew into large communities. And one of those communities was in a place called the regions of Galatia. And Paul writes this letter and says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You're not welcome in the house of God. You're not a neighbor to God. You have been adopted into the family of God. This is the new thing that Jesus came to do. The church is the family of God on earth. The community that we have been invited into isn't just a local community right here that we can hang out with and we really enjoy being with. It's a community of people from all over the world, all walks of life that have been invited and have received the invitation into the family of God. And all who have been united in Christ with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now this isn't, you know, when, when I think about this, this isn't what, what, what Paul is saying. It's not like you, something you put on and take off. It's not like that new chief's jersey that I want to get because we won the Super Bowl again uh, and, and wear that, that I'll take off when it starts to smell like I've worn it too many days in a row. Uh, what, what this means is when you put this on, it is not a, a once and done thing, but it is a continual renovation of your heart and mind into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this letter is that this letter is written in a pretty rough time 
uh, for the Galatians. The people in these churches have had another group of people come after Paul left and set up all of these communities of faith. Paul leaves, and this other group of people come from Jerusalem, and, and they go into these churches, and they say, you know, we know what Paul taught you, but he wasn't quite right. You, you got to do a little bit more in order to be in. You got to do a little bit more in order to be accepted. You got to be a, a, do a little bit more to be more like us so that you will be approved of. They were known as the Judaizers, and the Judaizers wanted to, they were concern, more concerned with who is invited into the family over how you get into the family. They, they thought that in order for you to get into the family, first, you needed to be Jewish. So you had to do all of the Jewish rites and regulations, and they were concerned with who wins and who loses versus everybody is welcome. So they wanted for you to say, okay, if you are going to believe and you are a male, that you were going to be circumcised. If you were going to believe and you were male or female, whatever, you had to follow the Jewish law. If you were going to believe, you had to separate yourself from your past and your history and be a part of this, this community of Jews that lived in this town. To win, you must be like me. And, and Paul is not having any of it because Paul had gone out there and been like, hey, the only thing it takes is for you to say, Jesus, I want you to be in my heart. I want, I want to be more like you. I want you to help me. I need your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, and all will be made new. And now they go in and they say, hey, but except you got to do all of these other things. You got to jump all of these other hurdles. You got to make all of these other things right. And so Paul, Paul decides, I'm going to write this letter so that they truly get it. And he says this, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all now one in Christ Jesus. Jesus. There's no division or separation, no in or out. Everyone is invited. Everyone's invited. You want to be in? You're in. Who let you in? King Jesus, right? There's no response that should be good enough to keep you out because Jesus says, I want you and I want you to come in. Now, this is not uh, an invitation that you can do whatever you want and come on in, uh, and we're going we're gonna to allow sin to run rampant through the church. No, what this is saying is, hey, I want you to come in, and Jesus is the one that deals with sin. It's not my job. It's not your job either. Jesus' job is to deal with our sin and brokenness and help us to move in a direction that is whole and holy. Our job is to love to be a community of faith that grows in that relationship so that we can be more like Jesus. And Paul continues, he says this, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, when we read that, we can be like, I'm not really sure what that has to do with anything, but cool. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate it. But Paul is, Paul is, is making a a bold claim in this moment. Paul is saying, hey, do you remember in the Old Testament when God came to Abraham and God said, I'm going to make my covenant with you? Uh, you are now part of that covenant. Actually, uh, in Genesis, 
we see this. This is the covenant that was made. I will certainly bless you. This is God talking to Abraham. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to follow me. Abraham is the father of Judaism. Going all the way back, God says, I want you to follow me, and I want you to be my people, and I will be your God, and I will make you into a great nation. Now, this came at a great time for Abraham because he was getting older in life and had no offspring. He had no kids. So that when God's promise comes to him, he's got to be like, well, I'm not really sure what that means, but sure, I will take you up on it. And so God follows, or Abraham follows God out into the wilderness, away from his family, so that he can be the first in a long line of people that are going to be faithful to God, the family of God, God's chosen people. And so what, when Jesus comes in, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to take that the next step. You know, historically, in order to be a Jew, you had to be born a Jew. Uh, you, could, you could get in, right? You could, uh, have a, 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 you could be a God-fearer as a Gentile, somebody who says, oh, I need to listen and I need to live according to the law, but I'm not going to take it all the way and be circumcised. Or you can be in by having circumcision, but you are not truly of the family of Abraham because you're just not of that bloodline. And so in order to be a pure Jew, somebody who can say, I can carry my, my faith all the way back to Father Abraham. You remember that song? Uh, I can carry my faith all the way back to Father Abraham. Then you had to be born a Jew. And here's, here's the interesting part is that uh, Jesus says, hey, I've got something else in mind. When you have faith in me, not only am I going to do a new thing in you by giving you a new heart by the Holy Spirit, but you are engrafted. You are part now of that family. You are the true heirs, not just family descendants, but the true heirs of what God has done through Jesus Christ. And, and what, you know, what's interesting to me is that uh, if you think about it, when Paul says there are no longer Jews or Gentiles, Greeks or Romans, um, that, that everybody is, is equal, that didn't mean the Jews stopped being Jewish. That didn't mean the Greeks were no longer Greeks. It didn't mean the Romans were no longer Romans. It went further than that. The change wasn't that they were expected to leave their culture and create a new culture. It wasn't that they were supposed to leave their histories and their past and create a new history and past for themselves. It was that everyone, all histories included, were invited to this new thing that Jesus was doing. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited. And people from varying backgrounds, customs, histories, traditions were invited to be a part of what Jesus was doing. Now, what's interesting in this whole set is that Jesus recognizes the difficulty he is leaving us in. Here, here's what Jesus has done. I'm going to get people who have a different worldview. They're going to all come together. Everybody believes differently. They've had different traditions, different histories, different information that's been presented to them, different worldviews, and yet I'm going to join them together in my love. 
And here's what he says. He knows that we're going to have some trouble with this. So he says this to us. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus knows it's going to be hard. And so what does he say overcomes all the difficulty and all the brokenness? He says, my love for you and your love for one another will make a new thing. This is how important it is for us to get beyond this idea of who is in and who is out. That Jesus came for all of us, not just for us here because we're special, but for all of us because all of us are special. Uh, Donald Carson is a theologian and, and author, and he says this, Ideally, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. Think about that for a minute. We would not, like, I, I don't know, if, maybe this is going to be shocking to some of you. There are some of us in this room that would not be friends with others of us if it was not for Jesus, right? There are some of us that, that would be more hard-hearted, some of us that would be more belligerent, some of us that would be more angry, some of us that would be more fill in the blank. But because of Jesus, we are able to be something different. So we are made up not of natural friends, it's made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of the sort. Christians become, come together because they have all been loved by Jesus himself. We come together because of Jesus. They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. I, 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 I don't know that we get that. We, we have the tendency to slip back into the mind of the Judaizers. That you have to look like me, sound like me, act like me, think like me in order to be welcome into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is like, no, that's not a, that, I, I didn't ever make that a rule. I said, love one another. I said, you will know, we, the world will know you are my disciples because of the way you love. And, and I, I struggle with that because it's, it can be hard for us to recognize, to move past, to understand Jesus' new thing because it is so diverse. And, and I don't know if you recognize this, but that's why it's so great. The, the church is so amazing because it is all kinds of people from all walks of life, from all nationalities all over the globe that are united, not in common purpose, but united in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have received grace and life in Jesus, and in Him we become the church. Jesus brings together a group of unlikely friends, to build his kingdom through love. You are unlikely friends. I, I, don't, know. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, have noticed in your life, but for me, I remember when I was in business. Uh, when I, I, so before I became Christian, uh, I was a professional. And after I became Christian for many years, I was in uh, the IT world. And I have discovered about myself uh, over the past few years that um, I, I had the tendency of being that 
IT guy. When I say that IT guy, I mean the one who is like, I am the professional here. I have been paid to know all the things that I should know. And if you don't listen to me, then you're an idiot. That's how I felt. And, and, and I would treat people in that way because I believed that I was there and I was doing a good service for the company. Now, my problem is, is I was also being a jerk and that's not helpful. And in the church, what I have noticed is God has softened my heart. God has changed my attitude. Why? Because I have received grace upon grace upon grace from God. And who am I to hoard that grace instead of sharing that with others? The church is not our thing. It's God's thing. I hear so many times, well, my church, I was, but I don't know if you know this, it's a Jesus church. We, we, we serve King Jesus, not King Cassidy. We serve King Jesus, not the United Methodist Church or whatever denominational affiliation you want to have or non-denominational affiliation you want to have. We serve the same King, united by the blood of Jesus Christ, called into a new community. The more diverse the church is, the better and stronger that it is. And instead of focusing on who is in or on who is out, I think we should be focusing on who is in through love. How do we love people into a relationship with Jesus? Even our neighbor across the street that annoys the living crud out of us. How do we love people into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Even the people that are at work and drive us insane because every interaction we have with them is them trying to make us look bad. How do we love people into a new community with Jesus Christ even if they are our enemy or they think we're foolish because we believe in God. That's our task. I've said it before. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those not a part of it. Now, this does not mean solely, right? It's not just for them. It's for us too, but we come as a community to get to know and grow and, and, and learn from God so that we can go into the world sharing God's love and grace with everyone we come in contact with. And so the question of how uh, comes, up to, comes to mind for me and, and maybe for you, how do we really do this? And, and friends, I, I just want you to know that just making a decision, I'm going to be that way, isn't going to cut it. We need God because we can't do it on our own. That's the whole demonstration of who Jesus is, why Jesus came into our world, so that we can have someone who will help us to be more like him. And so first thing we need to do, and I love alliteration, so I'm going to throw this out there, and hopefully it's helpful to you just like it is to me. We need to seek God's love. Because if we are supposed to love others, if that's how we're supposed to know, are supposed to be known by the, the world around us, that's where we've got to start, is seeking God's love for us. And then we've got to share God's love with one another so that we can grow deeper in love with God, so that we can see the faithfulness that God has, so that we can understand the promises that God has in store for us, so that we can live fully for the God who loves us. And then we can spread God's love to all we come in contact with, not just those who look and sound like us, not just those who share our political views, 
Not just those who have the same financial amount that we do. Not those with the same accents that we have. But instead, with everyone we can come in contact with. And maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, yeah, I've heard all this before. It's not realistic. It doesn't make sense. That's not how the world works. (laughs) I hear you. I really do. Perhaps you're right. But so what? So what? I am not suggesting that Jesus' command should govern our behavior, responses, language, and tone. Jesus is. Jesus said, you will be known by your love. And that includes inviting and being open and available so that others might come into deeper relationship with God through our lives, through all that we do, how we do it and why we do it. I I don't know if you have seen on the news, um, I, I got the privilege of going to Asbury University uh, Asbury Seminary, uh, and lately they've been all over the news. Um, they've been on the news because they have so much going on there. They have had a revival that's been going on since February 8th. Here's what happened. February 8th, uh, they had a church service. They had a regular Wednesday worship service, and the people didn't leave. This is, y'all are welcome to stay as long as you like. That's not what I'm talking about. They just never left. 11 days later, like it's still going on. They have had thousands of people come to Wilmore, Kentucky. It's this little bitty place just south of Lexington, Kentucky. And they have like 6,000 people that live in this town. And they've had like 6,000 people come to be a part of these separate worship services. They have multiple chapels on, on site and they just opened all of them up because one wasn't big enough. They had people that left. They, they've heard about this in Singapore. And they were like, oh, we should go to that. And got on an airplane trusting that it would still be going on when they got there. And, and they walked in and it was still going on. Now, I can guarantee you, in all of these locations, there was nobody at the door going, excuse me, what political party do you side with? Excuse me, where are you from? Excuse me, what nationality are you? Excuse me, what can I say that will exclude you? Nobody was doing that. Why? Because everyone is invited. And because they are experiencing a movement of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the deal, guys. We don't have to wait for God to do something special out there. We don't have to go there to experience God's specialness. Do you remember there was a centurion, and the centurion went to Jesus and said, My Savior, Jesus, my servant is ill. I need you to do something for my servant. Jesus said, Sure, let's go. And he said, No, no, no. I'm a man in authority. And when I say to somebody, hey, go, they go. And I know that you also are a man in authority. And so if you just say the word, your Holy Spirit will do that. And Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And friends, we can believe and be a part of a movement of God's Holy Spirit, not because we went to a town in the middle of Wilmore, Kentucky, but instead because we are a part of something greater than all of that. We are a part of the church, the community of faith. We can embrace the life and hope that Jesus has, and we can see the power in the movement of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have seen that this morning. I, I, I'm starting to get shaky. Here's, here's the thing that we saw. Uh, during first service, we have a lady that's named Marlena, 
and she had surgery on her, thro- on her thyroid, and it did not go well. Half of her vocal cords were paralyzed. Half of her vocal cords. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do. It can't be reversed. And so she's just going to have to go through life with half of her vocal cords working. And we were praying about it, and, and, and Pastor Suzanne led the, the, her small group through prayers for her, and I've been praying daily, and she's been on our prayer list. Friends, this morning she walked in, and I was back at the sound booth helping out, and I said, hey, Marlena, and she said, hi, Steve, and it was her normal voice, and I was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? And I walked over, and I said, Marlena, what's going on? And she said, my vocal cords came back. They came, that doesn't happen. She, she used the nursing term. They re, re, my nerves re-innervated. I don't even know what that means. Her nerves started working. She had half of her vocal cords paralyzed, and the Holy Spirit said, no, that is not enough. I'm going to let this be a witness to your people that God is moving in this place. We don't have to go somewhere to experience a movement of God. We are experiencing it right here. God is moving in a powerful way, and we can be a part of it. Jesus' new thing isn't just available for some. It's available for all. So let's get busy being a part of the church. Let's get busy being known by our love and our celebration of a God who says, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what brokenness you bring to the table. I care about you. And we can do that very same thing. So let's show the world that we are disciples of Jesus because of the way we love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you move in ways that we don't understand. And we thank you for doctors and nurses, but we also thank you for the miraculous and the wonderful. God, we thank you for the gift you have given us in Jesus, that you have included us in your family, that you have included us in your great work, that we can be a part of your kingdom, and that we can be a part of building your kingdom. So send us from this place, knowing that that we are not just in it for us, but that we can share your love and grace with everyone we come in contact with, so that we can share hope and promise, so that we can share the miraculous and the wonderful, so that we can share love. Let us be love so that the world takes notice of your love in us. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.